If you are just joining us, last week we began a new series that I'm calling Building Our Lives on Values That Last. And as I mentioned last week, I believe that this series has the potential to bring about exponential growth in our faith. And in many ways, this might well be the most relevant series that I've ever taught. And here's what I mean. There's one thing that everyone in our society agrees upon. Whether it's a liberal or a conservative, spiritual or unspiritual, the majority of the people in society would say that our culture, our country is in an, a state of moral decline. Come on, would anyone agree with that statement? In fact, many surveys say that over 80% of Americans believe that the greatest um, difficulty that we're facing right now, it's not the pandemic, it's not the economy, but it is a decline and decay in moral values. I just read this week a study from LifeWay Research that found that 81% of Americans, they agree with the statement, I am concerned about declining moral value in our nation. And watch this, that even those who consider themselves as having no religious affiliation, 72% of them are concerned about moral decline in our country. Now think about that. The world is concerned about the direction of the world. And I can list you right now uh, five of the biggest areas of life, politics, business, entertainment, education, and religion. And most every one of you right now could easily think of a scandal, right? Because there's a crisis that's going on in our country. Now, what's the cause of all this? Why is there so much concern about moral decline in our society? And, and why are people not building their lives on values that last? Now, this is going to be the question that we're going to examine this morning. And then we're going to look at the cure. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get in into some solutions. And so let's start with this question. What's the cause of the crisis of values in our society? You might want to write this down and take notes today. It's two words. Ready? Truth decay. No, I didn't say tooth decay. <laughs> I said truth decay. The fact is that we no longer value truth in America. Instead, we value two other things. We value what's convenient, right? what's easy, and we value pragmatism. Does it work? Today, people don't really care about truth. In fact, if you ask some people, they would even say there is no such thing as truth. They just want to know, does it work and is it easy? But guys, watch this. This right here represents a major shift in our society and over the values that we've had over the past 40 years. Because 40 years ago, most people were in agreement with what is true, like what is right and what was wrong. 
Now, that doesn't mean that they always did what was right and wrong, right? And of course, in many instances, they chose what was wrong. But whenever they chose what was wrong, at least they knew what they were doing was wrong. But that's not the case anymore. Today, we have an entire generation of young people who don't even know the difference between right and wrong. And there's parts of society today that would say that there's no such thing as right and wrong. That whatever is right for you, it it may be wrong for me and vice versa. Which leaves us, of course, with no standards because then everything else, it just becomes subjective. So what happened? What caused one generation, which went from a general agreement of what was true or wasn't true, to now saying that truth is relative? I'm going to tell you what happened. You ready? We've been lied to. We've been lied to. We fell for three very destructive philosophies that have replaced truth in our society. Now, you're going to want to write these down, and then I'm going to then explain the implications that they have in your life. And the first of this, these uh, destructive philosophies is individualism. Individualism says, I can only be the standard of my life. I can only judge what is actually true. I'm the one who determines what is right or wrong. And it's this philosophy that says that you don't have any place in telling me what is right or wrong. My truth may be different than your truth. Maybe you've heard this phrase here. I've got to do what's best for me. That's individualism. A recent survey by the Wall Street Journal of Executives across America. That's a mouthful discovered that when executives in America have an ethical crisis, 44% of them said, I consult with myself. And only 3% of them said they consult with God. Church, 3%. And we wonder why our nation is in the condition that it's in. But, of course, this isn't the first time that individualism has come onto the scenes. It's gone on for for centuries. As a matter of fact, and we've been talking about this a lot over the last uh, few months, the nation of Israel, it fell prey uh, to individualism during the the dark ages of the 400-year period of the judges. I mean, that was a time that was just a time of chaos in, in Israel. Why? Well, listen to what the Scripture says. In Judges 21, 25, it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. In other words, there was no authority. Everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. Now, does that sound vaguely contemporary? I'll just do whatever I think is right. We don't need any laws. We we don't need no standards. We don't need any rules. I, I can just do whatever I want. Now, that's an easy philosophy to hold on to whenever you don't want to have to deal uh, with any uh, guilt or anything, right? Because then I don't have to measure up against any standards or against anybody. But, of course, the result of that was the nation of Israel being an anarchy. And Church, that's exactly what's going to happen in America if we continue down the same path. A second philosophy 
that we've bought into is called secularism. And secularism, it can be kind of summarized in two, three words. God is unnecessary. Doesn't mean I don't believe in God. I, I believe God. I just don't need him in my life. And for the past 40 years, we've been systematically removing God from every area of public life. Out of our schools, out of our government, out of the media, we have basically relegated God to just Sunday mornings when we actually go. And again, guys, this is a huge shift over the past 40 years. Because 40 years ago, most schoolrooms had the Ten Commandments hanging in their classrooms. How many of you guys remember that? I remember that as a kid. Forty years ago, many, if not most, began school with a prayer. And 40 years ago, the majority of people in America went to church. But today, no public school has the Ten Commandments on the wall. No public school begins with prayer. And the majority of people are no longer going to the church. The number one purveyor of values today is not God. It's not the Bible. It's not church, and it's not even our parents. You want to know what it is? I thought about this one. <laughs> it's the television. It's the television, I'm telling you. Because in secularism, God has been removed from the mainstream. Now, this is talked about, church. This is talked about in Romans 1.25. It says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Friends, that's called materialism. That's where people will be going out and worshiping things that, that man has made it rather than, you know, worshiping what God has created. Matter of fact, that's why more people are going to be, because it's a nice sunny day, I already looked at it, okay? That's why there's going to be more people worshiping their tan today rather than here worshiping God. So I think oftentimes when we talk about idols, somehow we, we get this mindset of some tribe somewhere in the dark forest that's, you know, making wooden carved images. But you know what? Americans, they have their idols that they worship too. The only difference is that ours have chrome on them. <laughs> We have those little things on the hood uh, that tells us how much we pay for them, right? This is true in every area. This is true in our houses. This is true in our, our jobs. This is true in pretty much anything that we've allowed to take the place of God. And then there's the third philosophy that we've fallen prey to, and that's relativism. Now, that doesn't mean that you have bad relatives, okay? All right? No, relativism. Relativism can be summarized in two words. Ready? No absolutes. The idea behind relativism goes like this. What's true for you may not be true for me. Therefore, nobody can tell me what is right or what is wrong because all truth is relative. And again, this is a great way to live if you don't want to have any guilt. Because if you don't like the way that something is, you just move the goalpost. And this philosophy, it does a great job of camouflaging deception. Because it says things like this right here. It doesn't matter 
what you believe as long as you sincerely believe it. Now think about that just for a moment, church. That's saying as long as you're sincere about something, right, that truth is irrelevant. In other words, if I'm getting ready to get onto the freeway and I sincerely think that I'm on the on-ramp, but in the reality I'm on the off-ramp, let me ask you something. Do you think that that sincerity is going to keep you from having an accident? No. Does the truth matter in that situation? You better believe it. But here's what relativism would say. Let's say you're going the wrong way on the off-ramp, and then suddenly someone sees it, and they yell out, hey, man, you're going the wrong way. Well, relativism, it will say, who are you to tell me that I'm wrong? Who made you the judge of my life? That might be the off-ramp for you, but it's the on-ramp for me, right? Stop being so judgmental. Friends, let me tell you something. When people tell you the truth, they're not judging you. They're being kind. And sadly, we have very few people today that will level with you and who will say, bro, you're about to blow it. If you keep heading this direction, you're going to have a head-on collision. And when you face a major crisis in your life, I don't know, maybe, you know, you're thinking, oh, I need to move in with this guy. I need to get a divorce. Or should I take drugs, I don't know, any type of ethical crisis. If they tell you, do whatever is best for you, they don't love you. Because people who love you will tell you the truth. And they're not judging you, they're just telling you the truth. Are y'all with me this morning? Now, there's another phrase that relativism uses and it goes like this. There are no absolutes. Come on, anyone ever heard that one before? I remember the first day of my philosophy class in college. Um, the professor started the class. No kidding. This is the first words out of her mouth. She said, question everything. There are no absolutes. Because I was a little bit of a zealot whenever I was 18 years old, uh, I yelled out, are you absolutely sure? <laughs> and then she told me not to, to question her, but I, I reminded her that she just told me to question everything. <laughs> I thought I was being a good student. I had a... But guys, don't ever let anyone con you with pseudo-intellectualism. With statements like, it doesn't matter what you believe, just as long as you're sincere. Or there are no absolutes. Friends, that right there is not only illogical, it's irrational. It's illogical because the statement itself is an absolute. But more than that, it's just irrational. Because the world is built upon things that you know you can depend upon because they're absolutely true. For instance, how about this absolute truth right here that we call gravity, right? Yeah. What goes up must come down. Spinning wheel, got to go around. <laughs> Y'all don't know nothing about blood, sweat, and tears. 
Now, I'm, give, I'm not going to give you a lesson on physics, but there are some universal laws that have always been true, and they're always going to be true, just like there are some spiritual laws that they've always been true, and they're always going to be true. I mean, even the philosophers who claim that they believe that there are no absolutes in life, that they're suddenly interested in absolutes whenever they're being violated. I mean, like, for example, if all of a sudden... Uh, I say to my neighbor, or your neighbor says to you, hey, I don't, I don't believe in absolutes. And then all of a sudden, I decide that I want to start building an extension uh, onto my home, maybe 20 feet onto their property. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, he's going to believe there needs to be a law here, right? Well, there can't be any law unless there are some things that are right and wrong. So don't let anyone come at you and con you with the lies of individualism, living for self secularism, saying that God is unnecessary, or relativism, which says that there are no absolutes. Church, these are all things right now that Satan is trying to use to erode truth from our culture. And really, what they want to replace truth with is tolerance, right? I mean, society's highest value today is tolerance. They don't want you to speak the truth because you might hurt somebody's feelings or you might offend them. So what they want you to do is to just tolerate one another. I mean, the worst sin in our society today is to be considered intolerant because you'll be labeled as as a bigot. You'll be labeled as judgmental and narrow-minded. But church, write this down. It's not judgmental to speak the truth. As a matter of fact, speaking the truth in love, that's the most loving thing that you can do. Now, here's the problem. The word tolerance has been redefined in our society. Now, you can go and you can look up the word tolerance in the dictionary, but right here's what you'll find because this is what it used to mean. Tolerance used to mean I will respect you And treat you with dignity, even though I, watch this, violently disagree with you. Isn't that a good definition? Watch this, church. As Christians, okay, the scripture teaches us that we should be tolerant using the definition that I just gave you. We should never treat someone as if they're less than human. Even for the worst criminal or the most immoral person out there, we're to show love and dignity. But watch this, you can accept people without approving of their lifestyle. I'm going to say that again so that you get it. I said that you can accept people without being approving of their lifestyle. But in today's culture, tolerance doesn't mean that anymore. Tolerance now means that every idea is equal, right, and true. And friends, that's just not true. Not every idea, not every thought, not every belief is equally true. Truth is not broad. Truth is narrow. And this thought that says all ideas are equally valid and they're all truth, even when they contradict one another, that extreme expression is what we call political correctness. Now, I know y'all are all familiar with that. And you know what? God has something to say about that nonsense. 
found in Ephesians 4. 17 through 18 says, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Church, don't be conned by these pseudo-philosophies who their aim is to subvert and to suppress truth. Because when you no longer have truth, you no longer have a standard. Because everyone then becomes their own standard. Everyone then becomes their own God. Now, this is the cause. But now let me just share with you the cost. The cost is that we now have a culture that is collapsing. This culture shift from truth that now says yeah, you can just be whatever you want to be. Guess what? It's not working. As a matter of fact, don't just take my word for it. Let me just read to you a few statistics. In the next 30 minutes, 228 children will be beaten, molested, and abused. In the next 30 minutes, in the amount of time that it takes for me to share this whole message with you, in the next 30 minutes, 57 kids will run away from home. And three out of four of those girls will end up selling sex just to survive. In the next 30 minutes, 20 children will attempt suicide. This is just in America, church. You, this is what I'm talking about, not just the world here. And 285 children will become victims of a broken home. Today in America, adult bookstores, you ready? Out number McDonald's three to one every day in America 14 children and youth are murdered and 326 children are arrested for alcohol offenses children by the way the it's about the same number for drug offenses here's another one Every day, 3,360 say to drop, they drop out of high school every single day. Every single day, 3,533 babies are born to unwed mothers. Every day, 6,032 children are arrested. Every day, 13,067 students are suspended from school. And this is the one that blew my mind. I had to like double check this when I read this. Amazing. And every day, 135,000 children pack guns and knives to school. Oh, yeah. We lead every nation by a large margin of citizens who are incarcerated. We have more people in our jails than any other country in the world. And the list goes on and on. See, this is what it's costing us. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, no revelation of God in his word, the people are 
unrestrained. I love the Good News translation here, which says a nation without God's guidance is a nation without order. And we're seeing this every single day. Why? Because without having a standard of truth, anything goes. And chaos is the result. Now, friends, the Bible, God's word, tells the truth. And here's what you got to know about this. Like, the Bible, there's some things that I don't understand about the Bible, anyone else? There's things uh, that challenges me about the Bible. And there are some things, if I can just be honest, that, that I don't like, right? But I'm going to tell you something. It's the truth. And it's the truth because it came from God. And if ever you say something or I say something or we believe something that is contrary to what God says, guess who's wrong? It's not God. Again, we wonder why we see our country unraveling at the seams. This is exactly what we talked about, right, in our our Daniels series where there's been a a flip-flopping of values where we we used to call um, something right, now we call it wrong, and where we used to call something wrong, now we call right. Listen to this right here. This is what the prophet Isaiah says, and I think that we need to sound the alarm, church. I think this right here is words that need to be echoed from the rooftop. When the prophet Isaiah says how horrible it will be for those who will call evil good and good evil, who turn darkness into light and light into darkness, who turn what is bitter into something sweet and what is sweet into something bitter. Friends, here's what you've got to understand. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, you will reap. And guess what? We are now, we're sowing and we're both sowing and reaping what we have done over the past 40 years. But the question is, what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Sure, I can advocate for laws to be passed. I can cast my vote. But listen, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about How do I live a life of values in a world where we can't even decide what's right and wrong? How can I raise my children with basic, lasting values in a world where teachers aren't even allowed to teach basic right and wrong because of relativity, secularism, or individualism? What do I do? Psalms. One um, verses 11, verse 3 says, the foundation of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? Church, here's the cure. Are you ready? We rebuild the foundation. Matter of fact, I was in worship time, and man, I just really felt this word in my spirit. I'm going to give it now if that's okay. As I was there, I had a picture of two different things, so clear in worship. In one of those pictures, I heard the Lord say, there's two walls. This all happened to me earlier, so I haven't had time to process this, but this is what I heard. There's two walls. One of the walls were walls that was already destroyed where the enemy had breached. And the Lord said that it's time to get the enemy out because the enemy is in the church. Are you hearing me? And it's time that we kick him out, and it's time for us to build back up the walls like Nehemiah. Are you with me? But then I I saw another picture. And in this picture, I saw two different men. And one of them, they... 
built a wall that had no doors on it, only whenever they were done, nothing could come in. And then I saw another guy, like a masonist, who was like building walls all around him. And then before too long, he's let all the walls where he can't do anything, it's, he's stuck in, right? And you know what I think that was representative of? I think it's representative of this, is that there's many people in the church that we won't allow things into our life that God wants into our life. Things like community. And then I think that there are other walls that we have built up, like fear. And church, it's time that we take some evaluation in our life and we knock down some walls while building back some others. Are you hearing me? It's time for us to rebuild. Rebuild based on the foundation of the word of God. Rebuild our families. Rebuild our businesses. Rebuild, yes, even our churches. And we build them up on the foundation of God's word. Why? Because God is truth. In case you're wondering, well, what makes something wrong? Well, it's not just because we say that something's wrong, but it's wrong when it's anti-God, when it's anti-his character. In other words, if God is honest, and yes, he is honest, then guess what? That means when we're dishonest, it's wrong. Like, we're different. If we're different than the character of God, then that means it's wrong. But when we're like the character of God, that means that it's right. That's how you decide what truth is, church. Proverbs 2, verse 9 says, If you listen to me, you will know what is right, just, and fair. You will know what you should do. The ESV says it this way, You will know every good path. Now, I know that there are a lot of schools out there that are trying to teach values without God, but morality without God is impossible. Don't get mad at me for saying that because those are the words of Abraham Lincoln. And a moral government without God is impossible. Those are the words of George Washington. Church, I want you to look at this verse, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. By the way, you can't cherry pick the scripture. Are you with me? You can't just pick out and say, well, I don't like that part where it says I shouldn't be sleeping with my boyfriend and my girlfriend. Well, I don't like this part right here where it says I shouldn't tithe. Well, I don't like this part right here where it says, you know, that I I have to be honest because I just need to cheat a little bit or else Uncle Sam's taking all my tax money away from me. No, what we're going to do is we're going to be honest and we're going to live a life with a high standard. All scriptures inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and try to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God used it to prepare his people for every good work. Now, I want you to circle the, the three things right here that the Bible says that, that the, it teaches us. It teaches us what is right, what is wrong, and what is truth. If God says that something is wrong, it's wrong. And if God says that something is right, then it's right. And if you ever want to know if something is truth or if it's just someone's opinion, let me tell you how you can know. Ready? Two things. One is that truth 
is universal. If it's true, then it applies to everyone all around the world of every culture. If it doesn't apply, then it's just opinion. But the second thing is that truth is unchanging. It's always the same. It's not just up for vote. It doesn't just change based on the latest fad. Truth is unchanging. For example, if adultery was wrong 2,000 years ago, then adultery is wrong today, and it will be wrong in 2,000 more years. Are you with me? If lying or stealing was wrong 2,000 years ago, that means that lying and stealing is wrong today, and it will be wrong in 2,000 years. Doesn't change. Truth doesn't change. Now, what's the benefit of us building our lives on these absolute, universal, and unchanging truths? Well, listen to what the Scripture says. It says in Psalm 16, 28, Listen, those who listen to instruction, those of you who listen to instruction, you will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Listen to this one. This is one of my my favorite ones right here. I feel like I hear Amy Grant every time I read this scripture in Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, if I build my life on the truth of God's word, watch this. I may stumble, but at least I'll be on the right path. Are you with me? So what's the bottom line? Well, it all comes down to a choice. Whose justice? Whose morality? Whose values are you going to choose to live by? And really, there's only three choices, okay? There's an internal source, an external source, and then there is an eternal source. You can decide to be your own God where you decide what's right or wrong, or you can choose what's easy and what's pragmatic, or you can choose an external standard, one where you look at what the world's doing, what's, what's popular, What's the current fad? This is where you go along with the crowd. Or there's a third thing. You can say, my choice is God. Because his absolute truth, it is simply that. It is absolute. It is universal. And it is unchanging. Now, if you say, I choose God, then here's what we're going to do over the next several weeks in this series. We're going to look about look at some things like, like accepting responsibility, developing trust, showing respect, and developing self-control. These are just to name but a few. And I can promise you this, that as we choose to build our lives upon God's values, values that will last, we will walk in the favor of God. Listen to what Deuteronomy 28.3 says, it says, you will be blessed in the city. You will be blessed in the field. It says, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Amen? Come on, I want you to stand with me if you would. And I'm going to pray for us. 
And then the worship team is going to lead us back into worship. So pray with me if you would, church. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you are the source of all truth. And in a world that it is constantly changing, we thank you that you never change. We thank you that your word, it leads us, it guides us. God, that it protects us. We thank you that all of your promises towards us, they are yes and amen. Now we ask you, God, that you would cause us to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that our minds would be renewed each day. May we be the fragrance of Christ, both to the believer and to the non-believer. But in everything, may we bring you glory. For yours is the kingdom and the power. Let's worship church.